Welcome to the Game Changers podcast. We are your hosts, Associate Professor of Education and Enterprise, Philip Cummins, and prominent educational thought leader, Adriano De Prado. The Game Changers podcast aims to not only put a spotlight on the innovative ideas shaping the landscape of 21st century schooling, but to enter into a deep dialogue with those brave pioneers, the true game changers in education those individuals that don't wait for permission, leaders in education who are actually courageous enough to make real change in their learning community as they foster the growth of each young person in their care to ultimately thrive in this new world environment. These are their stories. What is it that helps a person find the reason why for their life? How do they connect it to their how? What does that mean about the what? And how can that help us as learners, as leaders, as families, as citizens, to think about the new social contract of education, today's learning for tomorrow's world. Series eight, what a remarkable opportunity we've had to explore a life of purpose with 10 amazing game changers. Today, we've got the opportunity to review and to think about what we've learned together. I'm excited, I can't wait. Let's go. Phil, can you share with our audience a little insight into our Series 8 sponsor? Edapt Education brings together all your student data into one platform. Improve the growth and well-being of all students in your school. Edapt is offering their learner profile and school data platform free for a term for the first time exclusive to you, our Game Changers listeners. Simply visit edapt.education forward slash gamechangers that's edapt.education forward slash game changes. Let's go. Phil, you know, for series eight, you know, we turned our attention to what you just said, this, this notion of a life of purpose. And, and we attempted to unpack the provocation, whose life do we want to live? In this particular series, we once again met 10 remarkable humans, a fearless inquirer, an Indigenous youth champion, an international educational star, an executive principal, a social innovator, a 2021 Young Australian of the Year finalist, that's quite remarkable in itself, a brilliant global educational uh, curriculum designer, an amazing astronomer, a communication guru and a hundred ambassador. Each challenged our binary thinking and inspired us with their own story of purpose and meaning. And all of these game changes continued to be the light, that torch for us to show us a way to build schools, society and ourselves differently through their work, which we believe will have an echo in eternity. You know, each Series 8 Game Changers guest reminded us that our purpose gives us a reason to do what we do. Uh, it endures longer than goals and plans, which change from time to time. That it has more substance than the dreams which might inform these goals or plans. And that purpose gives us a reason to get up in the morning and do what we do when times are challenging, as well as when times are being joyous. A series eight game changes helped us recognize that we can't ever go back to what was because that's not the way our world is or even has been. That it's about finding our new, our next story, our even better normal that respects the need for and attends to the strengthening of the purpose of all learners. I was gonna say earlier, Amica, that, um, that, that, that whole point of getting out of bed in the morning, that's the one that our, our producer, the amazing Oliver, always talks about because for him, staying in bed is a really special thing, isn't it? 
I think we all enjoy a good sleep in every. I day. think I think so. And after the year that we've had, I think we all deserve as many lions as we can possibly get. My sense, my friend, around what we've been exploring this year is that if we have the courage and kindness, as we've said in previous series, to take the big step forward and up, then our sense of purpose needs to be attached to a restlessness around the present and a curiosity and a wondering, could we do this better? Could we be better? Could we become something else? Could we connect with more people? And as you always say, mate, whose voice isn't in the room? Whose voice aren't we listening to? I think Will Richardson in particular summed this up really well for us. He's a person with a powerful intellect. He, he reminds me of an Old Testament prophet in that not only does he have great foresight in terms of where we need to be heading and what we need to be doing, he does it in an unglamorous and unvarnished fashion. He is not concerned in the slightest as to how his questioning of the status quo will affect his avatar. He's just passionate about reminding us that there is something better to be done and that we need to gird our loins and get to the work of doing it. And vanity be damned. We just need to find a way through um, by harnessing that collective spirit that so many around the world have to be game changers, to be, to be fearless, to be passionate and not ask permission, but keep moving forward. You know, we, we first met Will during our one of our daily wrap-up shows uh, as part of the 2020 ReLearn event last year, Phil. However, his work has been familiar to us all for some time. You know, as you rightfully say, Will is deeply insightful about the sign of our times and crafting questions that force us to truly audit what we value and measure in schools today. He challenges us to consider the impact of what we value and measure and be open to new ways of seeing the purpose of schooling and education for this new world we find ourselves in. And that leads us to our second guest, the remarkable Hayley Maguire. You know, our conversation with this always deeply insightful Hayley Maguire was a powerful encounter with First Nations thinking for wellness, for learning and for life. Another person that challenged us around the purpose of schooling. So much in that conversation was around deep wisdom of over 65,000 years of deep wisdom. She provided us all with a real vision for reclaiming our education, an education that was inherently or is inherently inclusive, embracing the strength of diversity and equity, and our collective responsibility with this, with this kind of historical baton to kind of create the healing through truth-telling, story, and education. You know, Haley also spoke about an optimism vision of a self-determined education through a First Nations-led learning ecosystem. And aren't we all richer for that, our encounter with Haley? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think one of the things that we've learned from our, our global research program this year is about the importance of voice. That if we're not conscious about listening for voice, then we can end up in a situation where we maintain an echo chamber, we, we perpetuate a bubble where the assumption is that those who don't have a voice either don't deserve a voice or if they do deserve a voice, it's just not that well formed yet. So we'll fill the space with noise. Haley reminds us that 
the heart of community is about listening to the voices of the community and to listening to the different perspectives that are offered. And she gives us solutions which are generated from within the needs of specific communities and the culture that drives those communities forward. And that culture piece is, is uh, I guess, correlates to the second big finding that we, we, we from our global research program this year. It's culture that bounces people along and gives us the continuity between the story of yesterday, the story of today, and the story of tomorrow. We need to listen first. And when we listen to people like Haley, plenty of good ideas there. Um, then we just need the will as a nation to actually make these sorts of things happen together without grandstanding, without taking over the agency, without taking over, um, as you said, the self-determination. Andy Hargraves, you know... Talking about I've, voice. I'm, I'm, Can't look, get I'm, much bigger than him. No, no, no. I'm, and and, and, and I'm, I'm just still chuffed that we, we had a, a chance mm. to talk with him and to learn with and from him. I was talking with a, with a colleague just the other day about the danger of uh, meeting your heroes because they're never as good in the flesh. And, you know, Andy's, Andy's influenced my think, so much of my thinking and your thinking, particularly in the space of leadership and education. And what we saw from Andy was the perfect embodiment of a leader who is also a learner. He's, he's both parts of the character apprenticeship equation. He, he still wants to learn more and still wants to gain more expertise. I love the stories about, uh, about his recent adoption of, of technology and learning. You know, if, if somebody like Andy can turn around and say, you know what, I need, I need to connect with people better using technology. I need to learn how to do this, this work that we do in a technologically enriched way, then anybody can do it, really. Anyway, it was, uh, it was, it was an absolute pleasure to be listening to the way in which he and his colleagues are helping to piece forward the next stage and, and to do so in a fashion which, um, which speaks to that challenge that you identified earlier of not looking backwards, but of, of going forward and maintaining the momentum. What a, uh, what a mind, what a thinker, what a, what a deeply lovely human being. There was a generosity of spirit through Andy that I don't necessarily feel we have experienced prior to that. Here is a man who is one of the most accomplished educational thinkers and leaders in the world and has been for some time. But he, he made us feel like we're just sitting comfortably in his lounge room as old friends uh, engaging in, in a deep conversation. And, and as often he does, he opened our eyes, our hearts and our minds to empower educators to implement practices that lead directly to your to, to students' holistic wellness, learning, and success. You know, he shared so much of his research-based strategies to promote active engagement in the classroom to build the necessary foundation for student growth. And he didn't speak of either or strategies, but a commitment to a suite or a toolkit that best reflects on how engagement is about mystery and magic, meaning and purpose, and focus and mastery. It was a real privilege uh, to be in his presence it's definitely a conversation I'm going to be cherishing uh, for a very, very long time. Another conversation that, that I feel really surprised us, Phil, was episode four with a Kirsten Ferdinands. I mean, our chat with Kirsten, this highly accomplished educational leader, explored a new standard for doing schooling differently. You know, Brisbane South State Secondary College boasts a new and unique learning environment and framework that draws from the most innovative evidence-based research 
employs a highly collaborative learning process and focuses on developing each student's self-understanding, connection, knowledge, and global competencies. You know, in Kirsten, we, we, we discovered a, a highly dedicated leader and educator committed to readying curious minds and open hearts for a new world where each person can embrace and lead change and the change they kind of want to see and, and allow them to step into their own purpose and their own agency. It was a, another powerful conversation. Yeah, talk about intentional, you know, being intentionally purposeful. Talk about, uh, particularly about the, the generation of the right culture. For those of us who work in systems, and to one extent or another, we always work in systems, don't we? Every system brings with it rusty shackles from the past that hold us back because that was the way we do things here. And when we talk about culture, it's important. It is the way we do things here, but, but we're not very good at shedding, are we? And part of the reason is because we start from the premise that our purpose is to perpetuate the way we do things here, as opposed to seeing the way we do things here as the servant of the learning needs and the desired outcomes of the students. And I really enjoy listening and talking with uh, Kirsten because for her, it's all about what kids need and the learning that needs to occur and therefore the culture that you create to do that. And if that means, uh, you know, that you, you you need to carry some new things forward and carry some old things forward, if, if that means you need to look, use some language that is new and different, if it means that you have to try ways uh, to make things happen and not slow things down deliberately, you know, not, not make it difficult and painful for everybody, but walk into it. With, with enthusiasm and hope um, that, there, that there is a better way and that solutions will be found. And, and Louise, of course, Louise Vidal, our next guest, the founder of 42 Australia, there's another solution architect. It's interesting because this is a real privilege what you and I get to do on a regular basis, encountering different people from across the globe in conversation. And sometimes we have noticed while we're having the conversation the individual is going through their own kind of transformative moment of their own discovery and their own aha. And Louise reminded us that great minds can do great things. From her purposeful and justice-focused work as a social worker, the innovative, you know, 42 Adelaide was born, now in an experienced social mission business, driving solutions to empower self-determination through kind of this peer-to-peer -peer learning environment model. 42 Adelaide is, is really about a transformation of belief and a hope for each person that is enrolled. And 42 has removed some of the barriers to accessing an education, particularly for disadvantaged young people, unlocking the inherent possibility in anyone. Uh, and that's a real mission for Louise, you know, primarily based on this kind of gamification curriculum where each learner earns points that allows them to level up their knowledge, their confidence, and the powerful agency of self. There it is, some learning that's coming from fields not traditionally associated with education. So some learning that's coming from social work, which is about believing in the potential of every individual to grow and to develop. And then learning from the world of gaming. You know, we, we, we all too readily write gaming off without seeing it as an incredibly valuable tool for teaching self-determination and mastery and purpose and persistence and all of the sorts of qualities that go with, you know, really strong performance character. I think one of the things I really enjoyed about our conversation with Louise was the way in which she's so open and so transparent about her own learning process along the way. And yet at the same time too, her absolute commitment to that notion of peer-to-peer -peer learning 
is really, really strong because it speaks to the potential of the agency of learners. You know, there's so much that's going on. I'm going to go on a little rant here, my friend. There's so much rubbish that's going on in our mainstream media and in our social media, which presents that binary between the forces of teacher-directed direct instruction, explicit instruction on the one hand, and inquiry learning, constructivism on the other hand, et cetera, et cetera. And of course, as any good educator knows, it's not one or the other, it's mm. both and it's everything. And it's, it's, it's the choice inherent within it. What worries me about the fetishization of the teacher is that inherently it says, you can't do this without a teacher. And we know mm. that the role of the teacher is really important. We know that the role of relationship through character apprenticeship is absolutely vital in creating the adaptive expertise and self-efficacy that allows students to develop genuine mastery and accomplishment. Yet, teachers aren't required all the time in every place, and it's not a control exercise. The world we live in is, is, is a world which is networked, which is peer-to-peer, -peer, and we need to enhance that capacity of students, and we need to see that they have the agency and that school's the appropriate place for it. You know, we talk about this in our model of experiential education, don't we? That school is the place for the rehearsal of adulthood. Um, and if we don't give students agency at school, then what happens to them when they leave? What about our next guest in episode six, Nathaniel Dion, talking about young person, a student stepping into their agency, as you just articulated. Yeah, perfect, perfect case study. Perfect yeah. case study, isn't he? You know, Nathaniel's life of purpose today is all about unlocking the endless potential of, of youth and making a difference in our world. You know, Nathaniel's Future Minds Network has supported over 11,000 young people from 50 plus countries to land offers at Yale, to TEDx, and launch so many not-for-profit organisations you know, he sent over 2,000 encouraging letters to tackle isolation. You know, in, in 2020, his company subsidised $90,000 of programs to support educators and youth and help link 10,000 disadvantaged women with meaningful employment. I mean, it's simply remarkable that a young person who struggled through, through their high school years finding relevance and purpose has discovered that, that in, the, in that self-actualisation piece, the magic is actually in the service of the other. And, and, and he was able to present that in such a pronounced way and he's a young man on a mission, but he's already made a massive impact through that Future Minds network. Yeah, you know, Nathan's interesting, isn't he? It's very easy in our society to, to tear down tall poppies. It's very easy in our society to have a go at the precociousness of youth. It's very easy to turn around and say, wait your turn, wait your turn. And we've always said, it's not about wait your turn, it's about earn your place. And that doesn't matter how old you are, you go out and earn your place. Here's, here's a person who is not only earning his place and he is projecting his vision for learning. He's not projecting himself, he's projecting his vision for learning and for better futures into a crowded space and trying to sweep away cobwebs in the process. There's also a very self-effacing side mm. um, to Nathaniel as well too. He doesn't present as some glib, pushy, obnoxious kind of person. He's, he's humble. Uh, he's deeply grounded in the notion of family. He cares about people. And he's just got a little furrow on his brow, doesn't he? Because he's always just trying to work out a better way of doing stuff. Um, Absolutely. It, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot to admire about Nathaniel in the same way that there's a lot to admire about 
Jamaad Drummond Bay. Mm. You know, if you know that our world right now is being challenged by, shall we say, this, the sins of the past? I think we can do that. I think we can talk about the challenge of colonialism and imperialism, the challenge of inclusion, the challenge of dealing with the reality of uh, old orders and old structures that impose themselves on cultures today and about thinking about trying to find a way forward through what we do on a day-to-day basis, not just on a symbolic basis, but on a day-to-day basis, to work out how we can help to include and then to empower. And Chimaya just wants to put children first and wants to remind us all of the time that not all children are the same. They don't come from the same background. So we've got to be really conscious about being respectful of the child, you know, and, and again, it's, it's keeps coming back to that, that purpose thing, which is about treasuring the lives of the people for whom we have temporary stewardship in our custodianship of their learning. You know, Jamea reminded us all of the value in setting out on life's great adventure of discovery you know, being open to the possibility of self through the encountering place and the other in a local and a kind of global context. Then take this kind of self-actualization to be in the service of others, a service that is intentionally purposeful about the empowerment voice and agency of young people in our care, which you've just so beautifully spoken about. Supporting each learner to consider how they can be mission-driven, how they wish to bring joy into the world. I love when she said that. I love when she said, you know, how can they bring joy into the world? And what problem do they want to solve? You know, inspiring children to live their best and healthy lives. It's noble, it's lofty, but as you said, it places children first. And it provides learning as the experience through which you can enter into a space, wrestle something down, produce something of substance and then reflect on it and then move on there. So it takes you away from the disembodied content that's produced simply for the hamster wheel of, of public examinations and instead says what we do together is meaningful and it's meaningful because you matter. You, the learner, matter and your world matters. So what you must do in your world matters. So passionate. I think, I think um, I'm going to pick up your word space as my next segue, right, that you just used there. Of course. Um, because, of course, our final episode before we get to the special series, episode eight, is with the extraordinary astronomer, Alan Duffy. You know, our encounter with Alan was like entering into an entirely new world, a world that creates universes inside supercomputers to understand how galaxies like our Milky Way form and the nature of this kind of new invisible type of matter that binds them all together, this dark matter. Or moon technology, you know, learning that moons are naturally occurring particles from space that pass through hundreds of metres of structures above and beyond the ground. Learning how this type of discovery can transform how businesses understand and respond to subsurface change in the environment. You know, through this exploration of the key question, why is there something rather than nothing? Alan helped us see the unseeable, prompting us to reflect on our purpose as humans to remain forever curious. Yeah, one of the things I love about the hard sciences, as it were, is that they propose models of being, Mm. which you can then take into the humanities or creative arts or, 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 or so on that can help you frame and reshape how you approach things. I remember reading Mark Buchanan's book on ubiquity years and years ago that just sort of took ubiquity theory and took some quantum theory 
and some chaos theory and then said, look, how you understand why things occur is all based on your cognitive bias. What if there is no one great cause to anything? What if it's in, you're asking the wrong question? What if it's about the rate and frequency with which particular incidents occur and some of them have bigger magnitude and so on and so on, and then suddenly there's a tipping point? And that's what Malcolm Gladwell's book was largely all about in and around that. Alan offered that exact same perspective mm. um, in and around that in, in, in seeing science as a way through to find something that really matters and to use the way that we ask questions and possibility and new knowledge to create linkage from where we are to where we might be. It's, it's in so many ways, uh, it proposes um, a voyage, doesn't it? it? It proposes a voyage of, of exploration, of encounter, and hopefully of some discovery. His episode is now live for our listeners. And uh, I've, I've recently reached out to him saying, listen, after our conversation, surely Phil and I deserve an honorary fellowship to the, uh, to the Space and Technology Institute at Swinburne because it was such a learning curve. You know, I, I think I've, I, after that episode, I've written half of a PhD, which I know nothing about, but it sounds pretty impressive. There it is. Well, one thing I do know, my friend, is that for the third year in a row, you are hot. You are you are on the educator the 2021 educator hot list and that's a that's a that's a tremendous recognition of the work that you've been doing in public education in reaching out to people all around Australia and around the world and helping them to think through the big issues relating to education and and that the importance of cherishing that unique life that each of our learners has um, and the, and the flame carrying the flame of hope in terms of what it is that we might do um, for them. So bravo to you, Am, okay? Bravo I, to you. I wasn't anticipating that you were going to bring that up, but thank you very much. That's very kind of you. But as, as I've stated, I believe it's, uh, it's, it's less a recognition about me as an individual, but more about a recognition of our collective efforts with Game Changers and our remarkable team at A School for Tomorrow with the work that we continue to do in, in agitating for uh, creating today's learning for a new tomorrow. But thank you. You're welcome. Talking, talking about some thank yous, <laughs> talking about thank yous, I'm going to thank you now for, again, allowing us into a long play version of a conversation through, you know, this special series in conversation with Dr. Phil Cummins. Your chats with John Yeo and Blessing Akpan reminded me of why inclusion agency is crucial in any future social contract for education and for society. You shared an insight into two dynamic individuals from different parts of the globe, each making a commitment to acceptance and belonging, a deep love of curiosity and learning, fostering impact through voice and agency, and finding opportunities to create harmony with self-place and the other. All these things were happening, often achieved through discovering one's calling and a preparedness to pay it forward in the service of others. Thank you for, for continually creating uh, these long play conversations that allow us then also to step into a space to also pay it forward within the communities we serve. Oh, that's very kind of you. Um, uh, I'm just very appreciative of the opportunity to have a long chat with people. As you know, I love a chat. So it's, um, it's a great thing to do. I, look, I, I want to sort of contrast, John, and, and, and Blessing um, for these two because there's Blessing at the start of her career. And her talent and her energy just explodes in every direction at this stage, as it should at the start of your career. You know, she's testing out all sorts of possibilities, finding connection very much 
deriving her sense of accomplishment and satisfaction in terms of what she and her learners are able to discover together about their possibility and then about spreading the word. Um, John, too, also likes to spread the word, but he's at a much different stage of his career. He spent many, many years thinking about the benefit that he can bring to the world by creating a forum uh, in, in which uh, sticky ideas can be experienced, can be caught, can be teased out, can be worked um, through that sort of TEDx format that he's got there. He's an interesting He's, a, he's an interesting cat in himself, you know. He's a, very, he's a very cool, calm, thoughtful, introspective type. Um, and again, contrast with Blessing, who's just big, dynamic personality all over the place. So, you know, it's a tremendous opportunity to speak with both and to learn from both. So, uh, we keep exploring this sort of notion of, of the story of yesterday and today and tomorrow. It's, it's, it's vitally important that we understand that today's learning for tomorrow's world does not mean that we lose everything from the past, but rather that we choose what we carry forward because it has honour and meaning and purpose that is connected to our own honour, meaning and purpose. Um, and, in, and, and in that respect, it becomes aligned. And if it is aligned and if it is intentional, then we've got our greatest chance of, of doing what we really want to do, which is to help learners to thrive in their world and to pass on that adaptive expertise and self-efficacy that we talk about to help them to make progress and, and achieve and experience success in how they learn, live, lead and work in their world. So, yeah, two great opportunities to, um, to, to have a chat, have a yarn. Thank you for letting me do that. So let's thank our, our 10 remarkable uh, individuals, you know, each of them for sharing their story and their purpose. And thank them, of course, as I always say on these epilogues, for reminding us that each young person in our learning communities is home to a life. It's as simple and as complex as that, born from the construct of love, of self, for place and for the other. And to all those who have listened or are listening to Series 8, the truth is you too are home to a life. Your heart is not a place to visit. It's your home. And uh, I would imagine, Phil, that we want to encourage them to unleash their why their purpose and embrace that what burns with inside of them and honour that truth, honour that heartbeat and, and, and honour their individual sound for it. It's, the, it's their authentic self that the world wishes to see, not another version or a person afraid of their own possibility or their why, and that they need to honour a life lived on their terms. They owe it to themselves not to simply exist, but to give their life, their why, this kind of breath of abundant living. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I sort of want to add something to that, which I think is, is you know, that, that's, a, that's a timeless message, mate. And it, it, it's, its relevance and its poignancy are just beautiful and speak to anybody at any time. Our world right now, though, is a world which has largely been lived in a virtual space. And that virtual space is an exceptional tool for connection, both in the right way and in the wrong way. And what I want to encourage everybody to do is to understand that we need to maintain that same sense of balance and that same sense of knowing yourself that sat at the heart of the Delphic wisdom back, you know, with the ancient Greeks that sits uh, in First Nations thinking that go, stretches back even further, you know, time immemorial as our First Nations friends would have it. We need to be aware that we need to treat people with the honour and respect that they deserve. We need to be aware that given that they are home to a unique life, that we honour the rules of hospitality. Mm. 
with that life. And we treat these spaces in that way. We love what we do here because it gives us an opportunity to celebrate, to showcase. We never pick a fight. We don't pick a stoush with people um, around things. We don't ask gotcha questions or anything asinine like that because it's not about us. It's about trying to find exemplars of people all through the process of education, all through the voyage that uh, individual learners find themselves on, the sorts of people who can inspire others to take the big step forward and up because they too can now know that it can be done. And that's the thing that we're interested in, what can be done. We can pick holes in anybody. Every one of us is flawed. Every one of us is sinful. Every one of us makes mistakes along the way. But we need to be careful that this virtual world that we live in um, so much now we use for the right purpose rather than the wrong purpose. It's too seductive. It's too easy um, to do that. That's why we've built the space that we have at a school for tomorrow. That's why we try so hard in what we do. I, I know that we're not perfect, but we want to encourage this whole, this whole network, this whole movement of today's learning for tomorrow's world and remind them that, that sitting at the heart of it all is hope, hope for something better. And that what we do today influences one way or another, the regeneration of that hope in future generations. Amico, thank you so much for an amazing series. Thank you for another remarkable year. We started this journey together sitting in one of the finest wine bars oh, yeah. in the People's Democratic Republic of Fitzroy going, should we do a podcast? <laughs> and isn't it great that together with the team, we can build something that gives a few people out there an idea about what's possible and perhaps carries forward a little bit of that hope? This is our final uh, episode, the epilogue of series eight and our final series for 2021. But we've been getting some requests, Phil, from our audience for some type of Christmas special. Now, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I'm very much open to that idea. And if that comes live, what streaming platforms can people listen to Game Changers on, Phil? Well, they can listen to it on Apple Podcasts. They can listen to it on SoundCloud. They can listen to it on Google Play. Um, and Spotify. Spotify, of course, Spotify. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed, indeed. And look, a Christmas special. What an interesting idea. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> Let's go. Game Changers is a podcast for those who want to change the game of school. Produced by Oliver Cummins for Orbital Productions and powered by a school for tomorrow, Game Changers is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play and SoundCloud. Tell your friends and don't forget to subscribe. Let's go.